When I'm at my end, you just can't start When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. So it's gotta move. When I'm out of faith, and you are still faithful. When I'm at my
Hallelujah. Anybody still got a reason to praise? Doesn't matter what's going on around me. As long as I have breath, I still have a reason to praise the Lord. Doesn't matter what's going on. If the Lord allowed me to continue to breathe, I will continue to praise him because God is good and he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Thank God for being in the house tonight. I welcome you to Thursday night Bible study. Welcome you to Christ-centered church. Amen. It's so good to be with the saints of the Lord. And it's just good to always get into the word of God. Amen. I love the word of God. I just love to listen to the word of God. I love to read the word of God. I, I just love to study the word of God. Amen. So it's always a good thing to be where the house, be where the word of God is being taught and preached. And you can hear what God is saying unto you. Well, let's stand tonight. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And we're just going to talk to him a little bit and ask for his help and his guidance. We have uh, quite a bit of people that um, are battling um, sickness. What does it say? Omicron is on the loose. Amen. Well, God is good. And he's going to help us. Amen. Don't you get concerned and don't you get worried. Amen. 
I, 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 you know, you've heard me challenge you all and hear me say it for myself oftentimes. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so when you truly take on that belief, that understanding, nothing can take your joy. Nothing can stop you from praising him. Nothing can intimidate you. Nothing will make you fearful because you stand and you say, what do you want? Take your shot, whoever you are, because if I stand here, I'm going to praise the Lord. And if I leave here, I'm going to praise the Lord. I am always going to be in the mode of praising God and worshiping God. So whatever way it turns out for a Christian, if they really truly believe it, it's all good. Amen. God has really put us in a position where we can't lose. We can't lose. Some of the old time preachers say, Brother Sharp, the race is already fixed. It's fixed. And you can't lose. The end is already determined. And the only way anything changed for you is if you decide you won't finish the race. But if you will stay on course and finish your course, finish this race, you can't lose. Race is fixed. And so we're going to pray tonight, ask God to touch some folks and uh, give them strength and heal them. Amen. We want God to speak to our hearts. Uh, my common saying these days is, is, is saying, can we start applying the word of God and not just hear the word of God? Figure out how you can apply what you're hearing, what you're reading, so you can move forward. Uh, we're storing up the word of God and we're not applying the word of God. The Bible talks about Old Testament talks about a, a cistern, and that's like, you know, um, a, a, a place where you can store the water, but there's no flow. It can't flow out, and so it can be stagnant. And so when we just store up the word, we're like a cistern. We're just storing up information, but it does us no good. But when we allow it to flow and to move around in our life, then we begin to see growth and we begin to see God do what he wants to do in our life. So let's pray and ask God to teach us to apply his word and to allow the word to flow freely in our life where it will move us into the different stages of our walk in Christ Jesus. Pray for those that need healing, need a touch, and pray for the study tonight that we will come away with something that we did not have before we come. Let's pray together. Father, in the precious, precious name of Jesus, we're grateful and we're thankful to come together one more time. I thank you for the church, the body of Christ. For Lord, you have brought us together for such a time as this. You are the head and we are the body, Lord God. And we're grateful, Lord Jesus, that you have thought of us so highly. For, Lord, we don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve your kindness. But, Lord, yet and still, oh, God, you have shown us your goodness. You have shown us your kindness. And tonight, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. 
we repent of our sins and say, Lord, we realize we've sinned and come short of your glory. But God, we're asking tonight that you cleanse us from all iniquities and that you purge us from all unrighteousness and that, Lord, you will do a work within us tonight, O oh great God. We don't want to be a people that just store information that we are stagnated, that we're a cistern, Lord God. But Lord, help us to be like a river, Lord, that the flow of the Word of God, the flow of the Spirit of God will move in our life and move us, Lord God, into different aspects and areas of the kingdom of God and in the power of your might, Lord. I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that every person under the sound of my voice, Lord God, will truly call upon your name and seek your face and say, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. Lord, instruct me in your word and reveal your word to me with clarity that I will know, my God, how to apply it and live it out, Lord God. Tonight, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will open up the scriptures to us, Lord God, and touch our heart, O oh great God, that we will receive what the Word and the Spirit is saying unto us, Lord, that, O oh God, we will truly respond in faith according to the Word of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, I pray change will come to us individually and collectively and there will be a transformation of the mind throughout the Word of God as we hear it tonight. That transformation will take place, O oh great God. And I pray that you will lead us in the path of righteousness and help us to discover our purpose in you and begin to fulfill our purpose in you. Oh God, I pray that you will help us. Lift us tonight, Lord God, wherever we are. And oh God, touch us in a special way for those that need healing tonight, Lord. I pray for the miraculous power of God to move upon them. And Lord, by your stripe, they will be healed and be whole and be brand new again, Lord God. I command sickness and disease and ailments and infection to loose those that have been stricken with them, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that they will be set free completely by the authority of the word and the power of the name of Jesus. Let it be so, oh God, that we will see the power and the hands of God moving and working in our midst, oh God. I pray that you have your way tonight. We will not fail to give you the praise. We will not fail to worship you and bless your name, almighty God. I pray that our faith will increase and that you will quicken us by your spirit, O oh God. Have your way tonight. Let our faith be increased, O oh great God, that we will begin to call those things that are not as though they were. And Lord, the power of God will allow the love of God to be shed abroad in our heart, Lord Jesus. Have your way tonight. We bless your name. We praise your name. We honor you, Lord. And we say, Jesus, we're thankful. We're appreciative, Lord God, for all you're doing.
going and we look forward to all you will do. There is none like you, oh great God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the great I am and we bless your name, oh great God. Have your way tonight, Lord God, wherever we are, in your house, in our house. Oh God, speak to us and help us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name. The Lord is good, your mercy everlasting, and your truth endure to all generations. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, glory be to God. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you can worship with me tonight as we get into the word of God, God's going to help us. God's going to help us. As the word of God comes forth tonight, just let God have his way. Whether you're here in the house of the Lord tonight or you're watching virtually, you're in tune virtually, if you will just worship the Lord as God speaks his word, he's going to help us tonight. So I'm going to talk to you tonight on our final lesson of forgiveness. We've been teaching about forgiveness for the past few weeks, and tonight we bring it to a close. And so we're going to talk a little bit tonight in that same topic, forgiveness, but I'm going to focus tonight on offenses and Christian courtesies. Offenses and Christian courtesy. Offenses and Christian courtesy. I'm going to try to take my time tonight because I believe that what I have to say is very, very important. And I, I pray that we will not let the word of God escape us tonight because we're either struggling in some areas of our life because what I'm going to talk about tonight, we have not fully implemented in our life. And so if we're not in situations now that require that we know these things, we're getting ready to get into situations that will require that we know these things so we understand how to implement them in our life and how to live them out in our life. So we're going to draw our text tonight in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Offenses and Christian courtesy. The Bible says in verse 39 in Luke chapter 6, And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Question mark. Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect, meaning everyone who are complete, shall be as his master. 
And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. There's a whole lot there to get into, to discuss. And I hope you'll follow me tonight. Um, some church folks struggle when there's sound teaching. <laughs> it's interesting. Sometimes I think preachers struggle. This is probably why we come up or we came up, Brother Sharp, with preach, teach, preach. Because a lot of Christians have a hard time with just being taught. The teacher get up and just teach, take his or her time, teach. They get bored. They start yawning. Uh, it, it just it's not interesting to them anymore. But when the preacher get up and do a little bit of, you know, uh, and he preach a little bit to you and get excited a little bit, you get excited. And so. I think the conundrum is there where oftentimes preachers are trying to figure out, what do I do? Do I preach or do I teach? If I teach, they get bored real quick. But when I teach, I can take my time and convey it clearly, but they fall asleep when I do that. And if I preach it, they get so excited or they get so, you know, you know whatever they get, that they miss a whole lot. So what do I do? And maybe that's why the preachers came up with preaching, teaching and preaching. The New King James Version translate the word beam and moat as plank and speck. So when you when the Bible says the 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 take first the the, the beam out of your eye, it's talking about a plank, a piece of stick, a wood. Take the wood out of your eye. And when it talks about a moat, it is just talking about the speck of dirt that is in your eye. So we can see that there's a big difference between a plank and a speck of dirt. 
There's a difference. We can all agree that we generally do not go around sticking in our eyes planks. Does anyone in here or anyone virtually go around putting planks in your eye? (laughs) Well, no one does that. Your brother or sister don't do it and you don't do it. Nobody puts a plank in their eye. So, if we have a plank in our eye, someone else put it there other than yourself. If there's a plank in your eye, a beam in your eye. Someone else put it there, not you. Because none of us just go around sticking planks in our eyes. Interestingly, though, enough, it is in your eye, or if it's in your eye, it's a moat. But if if it's in somebody else's eye, It's a beam. You follow that? So when we're moving around and we can see that there's something wrong with us, we say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's a moat. We don't say it like that, but that's what we're saying. But look at him or look at her. They got a beam. And so we will always own up a little bit to the moat, the little speck. But we will never own up to the plank, the beam. Because there's no way that much is wrong with us. Question. Whose responsibility is it to get the beam out of your eye? If there's a beam in your eye, whose responsibility is it for you to get the beam out? I already gave you the answer. You are responsible for getting the beam out of your eye. And oftentimes we're walking around, we feel like somebody else put the beam in our eye, and until they come and take it out, I'm walking around with the beam. That makes no sense. You'll you'll figure out what I'm saying as I move along. There are four main causes for us to become offended. There are four main causes. For us to become offended. The first one is your brother or sister offends you or they sin against you. The second one is your brother or sister disturbs your carnality. Now, you probably never heard that before, but we'll deal with that in a little bit. The third one is you are judgmental against others. The fourth one is you're taking up an offense of someone else. These are situations that would cause you and me to become offended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Depending on which of these reasons that affects you will determine how you will deal with it. Listen to this. It may surprise you to discover that forgiveness is not the solution to most of these situations we just talked about. These these four situations where you can become offended. Forgiveness is not the most used 
practice for those four. And I'll talk to you about that. So let's take a look at these situations that cause us to become offended. The first one was your brother or sister offends you or sins against you. That will cause you to be offended. However, if your brother or sister offends you or sin against you, I don't want you to just take that and run with it and just believe in, you see what they did? They did this to me. I want you to slow that roll a little bit. Here's what I want to teach you tonight. If your brother or sister offended you or they sin against you, I want you to use what I'm going to give to you tonight, this five-step process to judge whether or not they really truly did offend you. Mm -hmm. So if you think someone offended you, they did you wrong, they, they, they said something wrong, they offended you by doing something to you, that they hurt you. If you think that someone did that to you, before you go to them, before you do anything, I want you to examine that situation by utilizing these five steps that I'm going to give you tonight. Step number one, your brother or sister offends you. Step number one, judge yourself. Before you say they offended you, judge yourself. And the only way you can ever judge yourself is by the word of God. Begin to reason within yourself to say, why did I get offended? Step number two, test yourself. See if there's any more of you that you can yield to God. Remember I taught you some time back, a couple, couple weeks ago I told you that I remember getting my feelings hurt in church by the preaching of the word. And when I went to God to, to pray about it, God said, you didn't have on the shield of faith. And so the fiery darts came and wounded you. And so step number two, when you think you're offended or someone offended you, you need to test yourself and see if there's any more of you that you can yield to God, meaning how much were you submitted to God when you got offended? How much were you submitted to God when you got offended? Were you really submitted to God or you were just doing what you do and you, oh, that wasn't right what you just said. Because what I've learned over the years, when you're fully submitted to God, people say things to you that could be perceived as an offense, but it goes over your head because you're so Focus and submitted to God that whatever they say, it just go right over your head and you missed it. And others around you are saying, man, you didn't hear that. You, didn't you know what they just said to you? And you're like, what are you talking about? You know why? Because you're so submitted to God. You're so ingrained in the things of God that whatever someone says about you to try to offend you, you don't even notice it. So test yourself and see if you have more of yourself that you could have submitted to God. 
Step number three, consider yourself. Maybe you were the one at fault. Someone offends you and maybe you were the one at fault and you didn't realize it. But all of a sudden now you are becoming offended when really you could have been the one at fault. Mm -hmm. Step number four, don't compare yourself with your brother or your sister. When you get offended, do not compare yourself with your brother or your sister. Step number five, compare yourself to the measure of Christ. So when you get offended, I want you to say what you've heard me said many times. Ask yourself, did Jesus get offended when they did him wrong? How much did he get offended? Ask yourself, since Jesus is almighty God and we like to use that as an excuse, then ask yourself, did Stephen, when he got stoned, did he get offended or did he say, Father, lay not this charge to them? So when you're comparing yourself compare it to Jesus to say I'm getting all worked up about this but Lord how much did you get worked up when people said this or said that or did this or did that to you how much did you get worked up compare yourself with Christ so in order for you to claim and to declare that someone offended you I want you to use this five-step process judge yourself Test yourself. See if there's any more of you that can be yield to God. Consider yourself to see whether you could have been at fault. Don't compare yourself with your brother or your sister, but compare yourself to the measure of Christ. If you have thoroughly gone through these five steps and it revealed that your brother actually offended you, your brother or sister actually offended you or, or sinned against you, the only biblical option that you have at that point is to forgive them. So you felt like someone offended you. They said something or did something that offended you before you respond. Before you go and tell somebody else, before you do anything, how about you go through these five steps? How about you go through these five steps and see if they really offended you or it was just you. You had something going on with you. But if you went through these five steps and it proved out to be they really did offend you then your only course of action as a Christian is to forgive them. That's your only course of action. If you go through these five steps thoroughly and you have made the rather disturbing discovery that the cause for which you were offended is not that your brother or sister actually offended you or sinned against you, but it was something else. When you discover that, now you have some ways to go. Now you have some situation to handle. So you went through the five-step process to examine yourself. And you realize, man, they really didn't do anything to offend me. No, they didn't. Hmm. 
You have judged yourself and found that you weren't all that innocent. Because that's what happened when you examine yourself. You thoroughly examine yourself and realize, you know what? I wasn't really that innocent. You have tested yourself and realized that there is a whole lot more of myself that I can yield to God. You have considered yourself and found that there might be a few things about you that provoke people and God. We don't think we have anything in us that provoke others, huh? Hmm. You have compared yourself to the Lord and you saw that he was high and lifted up. And the best thing that you can say when you compare yourself unto the Lord, you say, woe is me, a wretch undone. That's what will happen when you take that five-step process because you'll realize most of the times that your brother really didn't offend you, but you had some other things going on in your life and you became offended. Something that's wrong within you while you are offended. You have figured it out that your brother really didn't sin against you. He didn't really offend you. And now you have to consider, what do I do? Mm-hmm. What do I do? The other three things I'm getting ready to mention to you are the reasons why you got offended. But you, you, you thought originally or initially that it was your brother or sister that offended you. But once you search out yourself, examine yourself, took yourself through the five-step process and realize, you know what? They really didn't offend me. It was something with me. Here are the three things that might have been wrong with you why you got offended. Ready? Your brother disturbed your carnality. Or you are judgmental against others. Or you took up someone else's offense. And so if you truly were not offended by your brother, your brother didn't offend you, usually these three is why you became offended. You got offended because your carnality was disturbed. You were judgmental against some. Or you took up someone else's offense. And that's why you got offended, not because somebody did something to you. Let's discuss your brother disturbing your carnality. Your brother disturbing your carnality. Would you believe that the Bible has some examples of this? Where your brother disturbs your carnality. So I'm going to show you some examples, a couple examples of your brother disturbing your carnality. And then I'll talk about the other two uh, reasons why you got offended from the first place. I'll just kind of loop those all in and get you to understand how we should deal with. I'm giving you instructions on how we should deal with when we get offended and it wasn't really because somebody offended us because we went through all the teachings for all the weeks leading up to today that if someone truly did offend us, we only have one option, forgive them. 
So that's why I'm talking to you tonight about when you become offended, but it wasn't because someone actually offended you, but it was because you had some stuff going on within you, and that's why you became offended. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, whence had this man, this wisdom and these mighty works? This is Jesus doing his thing. And now people are talking about him. Fifty five. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sister? Are they not all with us? Whence then had this man all these things? Church. Jesus spoke truth to them. And because their carnality got disturbed. They took shots at him down. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to criticize him. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to try to make him less than who he is because they know him. They got familiar with him. They know about him. They know his, his parents. They know his siblings. And because they know his parents and his siblings, he's teaching the word of God. And because their carnality got disturbed, now all of a sudden they start taking shots at him and criticize him because they're trying to make sure that, that they're, they're trying not to respond favorably toward what he's saying. They're trying to... Uh, can't think of the word that I want to say, um, but it, it's like they don't want to acknowledge that what we what he was saying was actually truth. Discredit is the word I'm looking for. So when we speak the word of God and people carnality get disturbed, they try to discredit us. Forget about the word of God now. They ignore the word of God and now they attack the vessel that was used to speak the word of God because we're trying to discredit because our carnality got disturbed. You know you can't discredit the word of God if you got any kind of sense. So you know you can't discredit the word of God. So what you do is attack the vessel that was bringing the word of God. And you think that's going to make anything any different? You think that's going to make it any better when you attack the vessel that is being used to speak the word of God? You can't discredit God's word. So it doesn't matter who the vessel is that speaks God's word. God's word is God's word. <laughs> so as Jesus began to instruct them in the word of God and it started to slice and dice and it starts cutting them, and they didn't want to respond favorably toward it in obedience. They started looking for ways to discredit him. Because if you discredit him, man, people have been doing it that a long time. You know, they do that in these, these you know, I watch these, um, these court shows and stuff like that. And you know what they say? Yeah, we've got a witness. They said, but let's discredit that witness. Because if you can discredit the witness, then they say whatever the witness say is no good. We've been doing this a long time that when we don't want to listen or we don't want to agree with what people are saying, we discredit who says it. They did it to Jesus. And if you are a vessel that God is working through, they're going to do it to you. So just be of good cheer and, and, and know that you're, you're, you're in good company. They did it to Jesus. 
57, and they were offended in him. It's clear. Because of the words that he was, they were offended in Jesus. But it didn't change that the word was legit, true, accurate, right, everything. But they got offended because their carnality got disturbed. Uh-huh. What it says, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor. He says, regardless of what you all think of me, I'm still going to be honored. However, the prophet will not experience a lot of honor in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So here's a little secret. When we're not seeing a lot of work sometimes, this is not all the time, so please make sure you write it down clearly. When you're not seeing a lot of demonstration in the church of God, it means that we're discrediting the vessel that God is using. It's clear. Jesus didn't do many miracles in his country because they said, that's Mary's son. That's Joseph's son. That's so-and-so brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, you know his sister, um, Mary, um, whoever his sister was. You know his sister. You know his brothers. You know his daddy. Yeah, that's him. And so because they were familiar with him, they didn't give him the proper respect. And they lost out on the miracles that could have been done in their life. But when he went other places... Great miracles were done because they weren't familiar with him and they weren't saying, oh, that's so-and-so boy. Oh, that's so-and-so sister and so-and-so brother. They, they weren't saying that because they received them as a prophet. And when they received them as a prophet, they were able to be blessed with a prophet's blessing. This has been going on for a long time. The Bible tells us if you receive a prophet as a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. But if you do not receive a prophet as a prophet, you will get no reward. <laughs> this is the problem of familiarity. It breeds con contempt. These people were offended in Jesus. Why? Was there anything wrong with him? Nope. The thing that was wrong was every breath he took and every word he spoke and everything he did demonstrated the power of God. And because they were carnal, they got offended. So when I said that your carnality got disturbed, it means that you're not really spiritual. You're kind of carnal. And when someone speaks the word of God, your carnality gets challenged. And that's when you erupt and that's when you start getting upset because you've been carnal and you've been disguising your carnality like you're spiritual. And when the word of God comes, it stirs stuff up. The word of God comes and it stirs stuff up. And when you get angry and you get upset and you get mad, it means you have been carnal. And you need to say, God, why did I get so upset? Because you've been carnal. This is the word of God. Mm -hmm. When our heart is corrupt, when we are carnal, the word of God will always offend us. 
That's not just you. It's me. I've told you my story when God had to tell me you weren't ready for that word. <laughs> you, you weren't spiritual like you were supposed to be. That's why you got offended, bro. And anytime we get offended in the word of God, it means carnality is greater than spirituality in our life. Anytime we get stirred up and get upset and the word make us respond in the wrong way, it means we are more carnal than we are spiritual. Nothing to discuss about that. That's a fact. It is like someone getting offended at the preacher for preaching the word of God. Preacher, don't be stepping on my toes. Preacher, that's not talking about me. I don't have that problem. By you acknowledging in your mind, because you're not saying it out loud, obviously, but by you not saying that, by you, you saying that and acknowledging that, it means carnality is greater than spirituality in your life. And when you go share it with someone else, it means carnality is greater than spirituality in your life. Mm -hmm. Here's another example of carnality being disturbed. John chapter 12, verse number three. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. What did he say? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Huh. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? That sounds spiritual. Oh, we need to sell that thing over there. We can make some money from that. And the money we make, we need to go distribute to the. That sounds so good. But the Bible says in verse six, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. But because he was a thief. And had the bag and bear what was put therein. So his. Carnality got disturbed. He was always carnal while he was walking with Jesus, but he was just camouflaging it. And finally, something happened that stirred him, stirred his carnality up. And all he can think of, because he was already stealing the money out of the bag, so all he can think of is, oh my goodness, you know how much money I could have stole from that? And this person went, in, what in the world? And then he tried to get spiritual, because what's in you? <laughs> You can't hide what's in you. You can cover it up for a little bit, but what's in you, it will come out sooner or later. You can't hide it. And when it comes out, you might not know that it came out. You might know, but you might not know. But guess what? Everybody else will know. Everybody else will know. You might not know, but everybody else will know. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying had she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. What caused Judas to be offended in this situation? His carnality got disturbed. He was more carnal 
than he was spiritual. He was up to more carnal things than he was spiritual things. We can always, hear me, church, listen, we can always pretend. You come to church for any little bit of time, you will know how to pretend like you're spiritual, but really you're carnal. We know how to put on. And so we can come in the house of God and pretend like we're spiritual, but end up being carnal because sooner or later, the word of God will expose us. Sooner or later, that word is going to be spoken and make us act and respond in a carnal way. And then we're going to realize, oh my goodness, why am I being carnal like that? You get exposed. Judas was greedy. Greedy is carnality. That's not spirituality. He was greedy. Greed is wanting more than you have and not getting what you think you should have. He wanted it in the bag so he could steal it for himself. His own carnality was disturbed and he couldn't help but to speak out. What are you doing? We could have sold that and gave it to the poor. So somebody says something against you and you get all hot and bothered. Stop and think for a moment. Why are you getting so hot and bothered? I thought Jesus said vengeance is is mine. Here's a better one. I thought Jesus says, I will fight your battle. If Jesus says, I will fight your battle, I am going to be more quiet most of the time than I will speak anything. So that tells you right away, if Jesus says, Brother Jackson, if Jesus says, I'm going to fight your battle, and I got to respond quickly to try to fight my battle, I'm carnal. My carnality is greater than my spirituality because if I'm spiritual enough, The first thing that comes to mind when someone attacks, if I think they're attacking, is, okay, Lord, I know you'll fight my battle. And let me say this. Sometimes some people say, Lord, I know you'll fight my battle. But you walk around with that face that still says you got a problem. I don't know how that works. Because when you cast your care on him, for him to fight your battle, you shouldn't be walking around with no face, with no mean looking face. Because you no longer have that problem because you gave it to Jesus. You no longer are trying to make your way because you gave it to Jesus. Yes, sir. Give him the mic while I keep going and I'll get back to the question. So somebody says something against you and you get all hot and bothered, it's easy to understand that it's because you are more carnal than you are spiritual. Could there be a teeny weeny bit of truth in the statement that that person made? Is there any truth in it at all? And if not, why did you get so offended? What else is there in you that caused you to become offended? What else? Do you know how to deal with your own carnality when your guilt 
is awakened by a brother's word, a brother's deed, or a brother's attitude? How do you deal with an offense when your carnality is disturbed? If you offer forgiveness, that will not do because the situation is your problem. It's not somebody else's problem. When it's somebody else's problem is when they legitimately did something against you, then it's their problem and you're supposed to forgive them. But if they didn't legitimately do something against you and you became offended because of your carnality being disturbed or whatever is wrong within you, that's a you problem. So you can't go and say, oh, brother, I forgave you. Forgive you for what? You're the one that's in trouble and got a problem with the Lord. Go ahead, Brother Henry. I was just wondering if um, you you offended. There's a problem with um, between you and someone else. You know that that person is offended, but you are not offended, and you just you just pretend as if nothing is wrong. But you know that whatever it is, whatever that exchange was, or whatever it is. It offended that person. Are you, um, is there any obligation on your part? Yes. So if you can sense that your brother or sister have a little issue with you, you might can identify when it took place, but you might not be able to identify when it took place. Your responsibility is to go to your brother or sister and say, I sense that you're uncomfortable with me. I sense that somehow I could have offended you or said something that wasn't kind or said something that made you upset with me. Am I right in that or am I not right? I'm I'm just asking. That's our responsibility. Yes, we're supposed to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. They might just say to you, oh, nothing. If they deny it flatly, there is nothing you can do. But if you sense it, it is your obligation and responsibility to go and say something. And again, they might just act like it's nothing, but it really is something. There's nothing you can do about it. You did your part. Sister Jackson. Um, On occasion... Something had happened with me and somebody where they said something to me and I kind of said back something to them. A couple days later, the person came back and said to me, I was offended of what you said to me. My response was to the person, I'm sorry that you were offended, but I meant what I said. So the person hugged me and she, they said to me, it's a him. You're really a true friend. Sometimes we have things going on in circles. <laughs> There's a song you got, got me going in circles. But sometimes we have these things going in circle because we keep saying what we say because of what we stand for. But what we stand for offends the other person. Let me say this, because I can't say this enough. When I started teaching about forgiveness, I made it clear 
that forgiveness could be the greatest evangelism tool that we have in our kit. I love to reach people with the gospel. I love to talk to people about Jesus. I love to tell them about being born again. I love to tell them about all that stuff. But I think maybe forgiveness may be the number one tool in our evangelism toolkit. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? It means that when you are going to talk to somebody in a forgiveness situation, it's always, always about I don't want to lose them. I want to help them. And so however the conversation need to go, that I can pull them closer to Jesus, that's the way I'm going. And so we always got to remember that when that discussion go on. The person that you talked about, some people are cool, you know, they're okay with you being straightforward and blatant. Some can't handle that. That's why the Bible says he that winneth the soul is wise. And sometimes your brother and sister in church, they're carnal, which means they're not in a good place spiritually. So you still got to win them. We keep thinking it's only people that's out in the world living in sin that need to be one. But plenty of times our brother and sister in the church need to be one because they're carnal, even though they're here present physically. So when you're having these discussions, you've got to be thinking especially if you can see clearly you did the five-step and examine and realize that they really did offend you, then that means they're not in a good place with God. So how do I have a conversation with them to win them? Not to prove to them that I was right. Not to tell them, well, this is the word of God. We got to be careful with that because you can be right and lose a soul and damage a soul because you want to be right. What you want to do is reconcile your brother, reconcile your sister. That's what we want to do, not be right. We want to reconcile them to Jesus because the possibility is there that they are falling away. They're sliding. And you were just one of the person in their way that they're passing while they're sliding backwards. And if you can do something while they're sliding to bring them back forward, then you've done something, not add to it. What is wrong with you? You've been in church. And you've been in victory. That might be true. But is that going to help somebody that's sliding? <laughs> do not merely reform but repent before God when you come to understand your carnality has been disturbed. He has just revealed an area of your life that needed to be submitted to his lordship. So hear me real good. Sometimes they're going through. Sometimes the reason why you're saying that someone offended you when they really didn't, God allow all of that to transpire because there was an area in your life that needed to get straightened out that you couldn't see, but God knew it. And so sometimes this is why these things happen to us. Allow God to change your heart through remission of sins and the empowering of his spirit. So when something happens and you get all hot and bothered by it and it really disturbs you and you find out that the problem really is because you have a sense of justice 
that got skewed and you were wrong, you need to repent. This doesn't have anything to do with forgiveness. You just need to go ahead and repent when you found out that you thought the person was wrong or they did you wrong when in actuality you had some things that was wrong in you. And you responded because you had some things wrong in you. That, that doesn't warrant you going to that person. That warrant you going to Jesus and repent and say, God, I just realized there were some things in me that I never realized until this situation occurred. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to see what was wrong with me because I could have been just, I could have continued going and not realized that this was wrong in my life. But you exposed me and I thank you for it. We got to look at it like that. You may just decide that the answer to that offense is not forgiving them, but repenting before God by yourself. You get that thing taken care of when you realize it was your carnality that got disturbed. You go before God and get it right when you realize it wasn't their fault. In fact, you may thank the person because of how God used them to stir up your carnality, let you see that you're more carnal than spiritual. Later on, you, you, might, you, might be, you might be able to laugh with them and kid with them and says, man, I was going through some stuff one time. You don't even know this, but I was going through it and you did some stuff and I was so mad at you and I was just, just mad at you. And finally, I went before the Lord and he showed me that I, I was the one that was carnal, had nothing to do with you. You were fine. I was the one that was carnal, but man, I thought it was you that did something. And when I started praying, God showed me it was me. I was more carnal than I was spiritual, and I didn't know it, and it wasn't until I went to God in prayer. But he used you, and you had no clue that he used you. If someone sins against you, the only thing you can do is forgive them. But if you find that it's your carnality that was disturbed, then you need to repent. And if you find that it, in fact, that you were judgmental, then you need to repent. And if you find that you have taken up another person's offense, put it down and repent. I close here. I want you to remember this. Don't pick up other people's offense. We do that so much. All different people are connected in the church and people have different kind of conversation with one another. And we usually know who we can go to and tell them about whatever we're dealing with. And most of the times when we go to talk to people about what we're dealing with, we always go to tell them how we never did wrong. And so here is what we don't realize we're doing sometimes. We're going to share with someone, quote unquote, sharing, but we tell them about our situation. And because we talk with that individual all the time, all of a sudden now, that conversation we had, it really, I had made it offensive to me. And when I went to you, Brother Henry, to tell you about it, I deceived myself or I would just, whatever I was doing, I went to you to really share my offense with you. But I claim I was talking to you about it. But I really went to tell you about my offense. 
so you can take it up with me. And so now what I've made myself become offended for, which really isn't legit. Now I pass it off to you. And now you're walking around looking at somebody side eyed because I told you something about them. So now you took up an offense that had nothing to do with you. That goes on in the church all the time. I've seen it too many times. People taking up other people's offense because, you know, we try to be spiritual Christians, Sister Sharon. We go over to them and says, you know, I, I, I like talking to you. I like talking to you because you're just a good listener. Lying. All you are really trying to do is to get somebody to side with you because you want to always feel like you're right. So you go and, 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 and make somebody feel good. That they're a good listener. But they're not no good listener. They are the ones that will listen to you and take up your offense. So you went to them so they can take up an offense. God's going to get you. And you don't want God to get you when you take your offense and pass it off to somebody else. Because now you got an offense and now you brought somebody else on board. Now two people are offended. For those of you who know the story. You study your Bible and you know it well. All I got to tell you is two words. Ahithophel and King David. If you know your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody take up another person. And you might say Ahithophel, Bathsheba was his granddaughter. So in some respect, you know, I can see why he would take up the, the offense that he felt like her husband, that, that he felt like David did her wrong. And treated his daughter, his granddaughter wrong. And so he had an issue and he wanted to do David in. But you can't let an offense cause you to sin. And so when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, Ahithophel, her grandfather, knew it and started trying to get counsel to go against David so they can kill David. And Ahithophel, the counsel turned around on him and he was going to get destroyed. And before he could get destroyed, he hung himself. Because he took up someone else's offense, he hung himself. Don't let nobody take no, don't, don't let nobody bring no offense and give to you. Say, listen, I got too many things in my life I'm dealing with. I don't want to hear a lot of things. A lot of, don't tell me nothing. I don't want to know. It's time we say to people, before you say anything, stop right there. Just tell me what I need to pray about. Don't, don't, don't tell me the story. Just, just tell me if it's sickness I need to pray about. Just tell me if God, I need to pray for God to direct you in a way. Because remember this. I was just telling this to somebody. God don't answer none of your prayers when you're trying to find out about nobody else. So it don't make sense you go talk to somebody and say, you know, yeah, pray with me on this because, you know, I need God to tell me, you know, about this situation, this person. And you, you try to, you know how we try to twist it all up to make it sound spiritual, but we're trying to plot on somebody. Wrong. Tell the person that you want to talk to instead of go sharing your business, just go to them and say, listen, I am struggling bad and it just might be my carnality that's messing with me. I'm struggling with it. So pray that I become spiritual. Pray that whatever carnality that's in me will loose me, will leave me, and that I will be filled with the spirit all over again. Pray for me for that. But you know why we don't go and say that? Because that makes us look bad. 
That made me look bad to go tell somebody that I may not be spiritual as I need to be. And so we don't go and tell people to pray about that. So we go and tell people about other people to make ourselves look good. When are we going to get over that if you're smart enough, you're supposed to know by now. People know who you are, especially in the church. We've been around each other long enough that we know each other's good and bad. No sense of covering it up. I know you're good and bad. You know my good and bad. No sense of covering it up. We just look crazy when we go to someone else and try to make them believe something good about us because we want somebody else to look bad. No, just own it and do what you got to do. Remember, we started out by saying in James chapter two, verse number eight. If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. That's where we started when we started teaching about forgiveness that you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. And if that's where you're starting from, if that's, if that's the basis from where you're starting from, then this should all work out. But if you're starting from a place of always wanting to make sure you look good and it doesn't matter what anybody else looks like, then we're going to have problems trying to work out forgiveness and trying to understand that sometimes it's our fault why situation affects us the way it do. But if we have respect to persons, we commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressor. And so finally, the action of forgiveness and repentance is a result of faith. The action of forgiveness and repentance is a result of faith. To say we have faith and not forgive or not repent certainly put our faith in question and without faith it's impossible to please God let's stand forgiveness offenses and Christian courtesy this brings our forgiveness series to a close until the Lord wants us to get back on it Is there any question that anyone has that I can help you with, whether you are on online or online congregation or you're here tonight and you have a question? If you have a question, I would love to hear it and I would do my best to biblically answer your question. Is there any question? Check Sister Patrice if anybody send send in any question. No question. Okay. All right. Brother Henry always have the offering basket in the back. If you have any offering tonight, make sure you see Brother Henry before you go. Uh, Tomorrow night is our watch night service. Unfortunately, most of us are going to have to view it virtually. Um, we're trying to be safe. We know Omicron is out of control. The good news about Omicron, I know this sounds crazy, but the good news about Omicron is a little bit different from COVID. Omicron, um, you know, you might get out of the weeds a little bit quicker than what, what we experienced with COVID. And especially if you've um, been vaccinated and boosted, 
um, you know, you'll get out of the weeds um, for the most part with Omicron. When COVID came on the scene, 800,000 and more it took out. So we know that's different from Omicron, but Omicron is um, you catch it a little quicker, a little easier, but it doesn't have the same impact and effect um, as the COVID did. But we're trying our best to keep um, each other safe. And this thing can spread so quickly. I mean, just like that, it can spread. So um, with the one service tomorrow, we can't control the traffic of how many people would come in here for one service. So to be safe, um, we said, let's just do virtual like we did in 2020. So two years back to back, we can say it's really been two years that um, the pandemic has affected us. Um, I never thought I would see this that in uh, two years back to back. We couldn't have um, our New Year's, our watch night service in the building because of um, the pandemic that we're dealing with. I, I thought about something the other day, and I will share it with you. With all that's going on in our world with the pandemic, understand this. Ask yourself this question whenever you have to make adjustments, whenever you have to make adjustments by not being able to be in the house of the Lord which we understand because some of it is a mandate sometimes. But whenever you have to make that adjustment to, to not be in the house of the Lord, ask yourself, what are you doing in place of what you would do if you were in church? You follow what I'm saying? Because what we don't understand that I get concerned about as a pastor, what I get concerned about is if, because of the pandemic or because of sickness or whatever it is that we have to continue to miss church service, we're missing that. And if we're not doing anything in the place of that, then we're getting weaker spiritually. Carnality is soaring and spirituality is waning. You follow what I'm saying? So if, if, if we happen to be ones that we can't be in the house of the Lord frequently, we need to ask ourselves, what can I do to, instead of being in church, to continue to do something that keeps me spiritually? I made the, um, um, in the conversation that I was having, I made the example of saying, one of the reasons I am not dis being disparaged or, or disparaging anyone in how they handled the pandemic when it started, but I'm just telling you what my thoughts were in the way we handled it. So when we had to be home and we had to start doing virtual, I never for one second thought about sitting at my desk and teaching you on Sundays because I felt like that's not what we did on Sundays. And I felt like just sitting at my desk teaching the word of God, still teaching the word of God. But I felt like it, there was so much that was missing from what we did on Sunday. So that's why I had church service in the basement. So while we were streaming to everybody, I was really having church service in my basement. And so if the camera was on or off, it didn't matter to me. I was going to preach the word to my family. We were going to worship God together. We were going to have altar call together. We were going to play worship music together. It was going to be a church service setting in my home. So I'm only communicating that to you to tell you whenever you can't be here, don't just be comfortable just saying, well, you know the situation. We can't come in, you know. If you can't come in, 
you and your family need to sit down and say, how do we make this as close to a church service as we can? That's all I'm saying. How do we make this as close to a church service as we can so we're not losing the entire, you know, thing of, you know, having a church service? We're just not together as one whole body, but we're together in our homes in separate places. And that still will help you as opposed to what are you going to do? And then now you, you, you put on, you, you know, you put on the service and you put your phone up in a corner like this. And then you're washing dishes. <laughs> Did y'all think I don't know? You put, you put your phone up in the corner and then you're washing dishes or, you know, whatever. You're doing your chores and you got it over here. That's a drastic difference from being in the house of the Lord. So when you can't be here, do something that gets you as close as possible to be in here. And if that means sit on your couch in your living room and when we're praying, you pray. And when we worship, you worship. And, you know, whatever it is, when we give, you put your couple of dollars on the side and say, as soon as I get in there, I'm, I'm going to come on. I'm telling you, you got to just you, you got to get as close to it as possible. So that spiritual thing, that that spiritual component of it is still moving in your life because the more you start doing something the more you want to keep doing it what does that mean but the more you're missing the things of god the more you say ah that ain't important no more lord we thank you tonight for your word and we thank you for just helping us speaking into our hearts and giving us guidance and direction i pray tonight lord god that every person that was offended tonight because of the preaching of your word that they will repent and they will cry out to you, Lord God, and they will ask for your deliverance that, Lord, they will spiritually increase and carnally decrease. I pray tonight that the power of the Holy Spirit will move upon us and help us, Lord God, to stand in the word of God and to grow up in the word of God and to truly examine ourselves, to know where we are, Lord God, and if we're doing what we're supposed to do. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus Christ that every person that have come together tonight, whether virtually or in person here tonight, Lord God, will hear and process and begin oh God to apply the word of God in their life that they will not be the same again help us Lord God to respond in obedience and faith and not by offense Lord God have your way tonight Lord will you give us wisdom and knowledge and guidance Lord God as we go forward in this new year Lord God allow us to understand oh God your purpose and your will for 2022 we praise you and we bless your name lord you're good your mercy everlasting and your truth endure it to all generations as we give you the praise and the honor lord bless and strengthen this church help us to grow up in you lord god and to serve the lord with gladness we thank and praise you we thank and praise you for you are our god lord jesus and Lord God, we are striving to be what you want us to be. And we pray that you will help us. Where we are deceived, help us, Lord God, to get understanding. Where we've gone astray, bring us back on track, Lord God, that we will align ourselves with the body of Christ. That we will align ourselves, Almighty God, with your vision and your purpose. I pray tonight that you will keep your hand upon us 
as we go to our perspective place of dwelling and as we go from this service Lord God will you keep your hand upon us and allow us to continue to hear the the voice of God the word of God reverberate in our heart and mind Lord God that your will be done I thank you for this wonderful church what you're doing in us among us in the midst of us help us Lord God to see as you want us to see we will continue to give you the praise the honor and the glory. For truly you are our God and we adore you. We love you and we magnify your name for all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody thank the Lord tonight. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for caring so much for us and for speaking to our hearts and for helping us, Lord God, to get up, Lord God, and stand, Lord God, and walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We bless your name, Jesus. Oh, God, we give you praise and honor. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Yes, Lord. Thank you everyone for coming here tonight and helping out and doing what you do. Appreciate you. Appreciate everything that you do. Hallelujah.
Supper 